good morning. Uh, my name is Aaron, for those of you who don't know, and uh, I have the privilege of, of being one of the youth leaders. I help lead the middle school youth group here at Crossway, and uh, it's been a joy and uh, a challenge at times, uh, but mostly it's been a lot of fun, and I'm excited and, and thankful for the opportunity to speak on a Sunday morning. Um, so thank you for being here, not for me, but so that we can worship God together uh, through song and fellowship and, and looking at his word. So let me just pray for us before, before we really get going. God, we thank you for this day that you have created for us, this life that you have given us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the purpose that you provide for us in your gospel. We thank you for your holiness and your greatness as God. And we thank you that you care enough about us to, to not only just save us, but to continue that work throughout our time on this earth through teaching us, through guiding us, through steering uh, by steering us through this life and, and growing us into your new creation. We thank you that you are a kind, caring God who has adopted us as children into your kingdom. And this morning, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts to help us to see your goodness and your love and how you interact with us and how you teach us each day. So please bless us this morning as we honor your name we soften our hearts and humble us before you that we would submit to you as God, that we would follow only you and serve only you. Just as Jesus Christ did with his time on this earth, may we live as he did. In his name we pray. Amen. So we are uh, going through Proverbs, kind of an overview, going through different topics found in Proverbs. And... Um, Sean asked me, we kind of decided we are going to do Proverbs and that I would have the opportunity to speak. And he said, well, you know, pick a topic. And um, I, I said, discipline. Let's talk about discipline. And the reason I chose discipline is because I'm not good at receiving discipline. So I thought, what better way to learn a little more about receiving discipline than to study and speak on it? Uh, and that is certainly what has happened, uh, just learning uh, about the Lord's discipline and how he disciplines and what discipline is. So we're talking about the Lord's discipline this morning. And, and I just want to quickly define for us what discipline is. Um, because for me, what I, what I take when I hear the word discipline is it's very negative. I think more of the negative aspect of the punishment and the... Um, being humbled, and uh, that's just sort of my predisposition towards the word. And, uh, and my first thought was, when I chose discipline, is how am I going to talk about God's punishment? Um, but I quickly learned and was reminded that discipline isn't just punishment. You know, that is part of it. We're not going to leave that out completely, but it's, it's much broader. It's teaching. It's... Um, instructing, it's correcting, it's, um, 
mentoring, right? It's modeling. It is, it is anything that God does. It's everything that God does to teach us what it is to live this life or to teach us how to craft life. So keep that in mind. Whatever you take with the word discipline, kind of reshape it if you have to, to, to be all-inclusive to what discipline really is, the whole scope of it. Teaching, instruction. So we're going to talk about embracing God's discipline. That's the title of, of this morning's sermon, that we should embrace the Lord's discipline. So the passage we're going to look at um, mostly is one that's, that's really well known. Uh, it's Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Right, so we can't deny that discipline is a thing at all. Of course, it exists. Um, and we can't deny that God disciplines us. And, and for all of us, I'm sure, we recognize discipline's a good thing. For you parents, you discipline your children. Right? You teach them, you correct them, you instruct them, you guide them through this life, you show them what it is to, to craft life, to live life skillfully. And uh, so we know, we know discipline is a good thing. But I think it's one of those things that... Once we become the disciplined, it's kind of, it's not such a good thing. We don't, we don't like discipline when we are being disciplined. Uh, so I want us to, to take our knowledge of discipline, right? We know that discipline is good. We know that we all need discipline and really apply it as, as wisdom to our lives, right? As we learn how to live this life for the glory of God, for our good, with joy, we need to live wisely in discipline. We need to accept and embrace discipline. So I want to talk about, um, we're going to kind of have three sections here. Um, the first two kind of explaining, you know, why we should embrace discipline. Right? What is God's heart behind discipline? Who is God? How is he revealed through discipline? So the first one is, is God disciplines because he loves Right? God's discipline is an act of love. And we, we know this, right, in our own lives. And you as parents know that you discipline your children because you love them. As a parent that, that doesn't love their children neglects and doesn't care and um, doesn't discipline, doesn't teach, doesn't train their children. But God loves us as his children. He has adopted us as children into his kingdom, into his family, and he loves us, each and every one. Therefore, we will be disciplined because he loves us. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. Right? And in Proverbs, the word discipline is, is, um, is translated many different ways. We have discipline, we have reproof, instruction, uh, correction, um, chastise. Right? These are all different words for, for discipline. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. It is because of God's love for us as his children that he disciplines us. 
Now, for parents, I'm sure it's pretty easy to, or easier to grasp who God is in discipline and why he disciplines, because you have that direct relationship with your children where you discipline. Now, I don't have kids of my own, uh, but I'm going to draw from the examples and the experience in my life that I do have uh, to hopefully help us to understand and see more clearly and embrace God's discipline. So I work at a school for what we call the behaviorally challenged students. Um, Students that are kind of labeled as more difficult to deal with and and we, um, the school districts send these students to us because they don't have the the staff or the facility to to work with them uh, successfully in the environment that they need. So we get, um, you know, we have about 35, 40 students any given year, and um, and it's a challenge, right? Because they uh, they have a unique struggle in life, right? Whether it be that they have autism or trauma from earlier in their life, or uh, a broken home, or all of those things, seems to be the case with all of our students. Uh, They are tasked with a more difficult life than the average person, I think. And and so we as staff at this school and myself, we find ourselves disciplining a lot, all the time, teaching, instructing, guiding them in how to to live life well, how to live life skillfully and not, um, not like they're used to, but uh, learning and training them to live life well. And I, uh, I've worked with students one-on-one for a long time, and then I shifted into a role of sort of working school-wide, helping with any student that would need help at any, any given time, or intervening when a student needed to be removed or something like that. Um, but recently, um, the last two, three weeks of the school year and now in our summer school program, I'm working with a student one-on-one who, um, who is a challenge, right? He is the exact opposite of me, uh, which is good. Uh, I'm not going to complain about what God is teaching me through this experience. Um, he's a great kid. I mean, I love... I love this kid, um, you know, in hindsight. In some moments, I'm like, man, it's not easy. Uh, but he, he has so much energy and so little focus. And I have so little energy and too much focus. <laughs> and he'll ask me, he'll get bored. He'll say, what do you want to do, Aaron? I say, I just want to sit. Let's just, let's just sit. And he'll just kind of walk off. And I okay, here we go. And you know, I track how, how I, I track like the distance I walk and how many steps and um, I get a few miles in just walking around the school every day and it's great. I feel more energized. I feel more fit. It's wonderful. Um, so if you're looking for a fitness program, we are hiring. Uh, but he, uh, he gets himself into trouble a lot. Uh, you know, he's not... Um, He's not outright mean or he's not looking to cause trouble, but he is just 
has so much energy that he's just here and there and he wants, he's exploring and trying to discover new things. So he goes where he's not supposed to go or takes things he, he shouldn't be taking and he does things that he shouldn't be doing. And so I find myself, you know, all the time, but especially disciplining him in, don't do that, don't do this, let's go over here, not over here. And, and he doesn't take it well. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised I admit I get a little annoyed, but uh, I'm not surprised because he's a human being. None of us like discipline. But um, when I first started working with him, he, when he first came to the school, you know, it's a new school, new people. He's, he's unsettled on top of everything else he's got going on. So he's just doing things he's not supposed to, and we... And, you know, you get to the point where, okay, we, we're just going to, it's a time, we're going to take a time out. We're just going to sit in this room. We can take a time out because you just can't, can't get a grip on, on obeying the rules right now. And so we sit in there with him and he just starts to get frustrated and angry. And he says this every time. He says, you hate me. You hate me because you're disciplining me. He doesn't use the word discipline, but you hate me because you're, you're punishing me. You're not letting me do what I want to do. You hate me, don't you? No. No, I don't. I don't hate you. I care about you. I tell him this. I care about you. We love you here. That's why we're doing this. We want you to live life well. We want you to learn how to live well in this life. And I tell him, we're disciplining you because we care about you. Don't you, don't you see that this is for your good, I don't like this. I don't want to sit in this room. I don't want to listen to you yell at me and uh, threaten me. This, this is not what I desire, but what I do desire is that you would learn how to live this life successfully so that you can be happy, so that you can have joy, so that you can be who you are. But he always says, you hate me, because when he's being disciplined, he doesn't like it. He says, you hate me. And for us, I think it's the same response we have towards God at times. We are undergoing his discipline and we say, God, you hate me. Why would you do this to me? Why would you make me feel this way? I, you hate me, don't you? No. If God hated you, he wouldn't discipline you. He'd let, just let you go. You are his, his chosen child, redeemed by the blood of his son, adopted into his family. And he loves you. So he will discipline you because he loves you. Right? When we experience God's discipline in our life, <clears throat> it is proof and evidence of God's love for us. So in those moments where my student is, says, you hate me, right? that becomes his reality. And, and he'll eventually turn and, and start saying, I hate myself. I just, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. Nobody loves me. I'm not worth anything. And this angers me more so than, than him thinking that I hate him. Because just the lies that are being spoken to that child in that moment are are terrible. Our, I can't stand it. And 
what he's doing in that moment is he's allowing his present circumstances and his, his feelings to determine his reality. He's, I'm being disciplined, and I don't like it, therefore that authority must hate me. Therefore I am worthless. Therefore I should hate myself. Which is not true, but that is, he's allowing his feelings in the moment to determine his reality. And we cannot, I, I tell, I've, I don't tell him this all the time, I told him this once. I said, just because you're having a hard time doesn't mean the whole world sucks. And just because everything's going great doesn't mean the world is perfect. You can't view the world, you can't view our existence, you can't view reality through the lens of our feelings, all the time at least. Sometimes it might line up accurately. The reality is, that I, I love this student. And how he feels about that doesn't change that. The reality is that God loves us. And how we feel in a moment of discipline and how our reality might become warped doesn't change that. So don't, don't allow your, or let's not allow our misunderstanding of who God is and what he's doing determine who we think God to be. Scripture tells us, beyond doubt, beyond argument, that God loves us. And it doesn't just say it, it shows us. Christ died for you. That is the ultimate display of love. And we continue to see it through God's discipline, through his instruction in our life. Don't let... Your feelings in the moment change that truth. Don't, don't let Satan creep in and try to convince you that God's disciplining you because he doesn't really like you. He's just kind of being nasty. That's not true. We know that's not true. Second, God discipline, God's discipline is done in love for our good. And this is Pretty similar to the first one, but I just wanted to highlight it's for our good. Proverbs 10, 17 says, whoever heeds instruction, which is the same word that's also translated discipline, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. God is teaching us and instructing us and disciplining us so that we would live, so that we would have life. Not just so that we would be here and breathe and eat and walk around, but so that we would know God, so that we would have relationship with God, so that we would know his love, so that we would see his glory, so that we would participate in his kingdom, so that we would understand the great love that he has for us. That is, that is life. That's the life that, that Proverbs is talking about here. Life with God, relationship with God, that, that's good. I don't, life with God is good. If you didn't know that, you, you, need to, you need to know, you need to understand that God, God is good and to, to live with him, to, to be with him, to interact with him is, is good. It is the ultimate good. And that is what God is leading us toward in his instruction through discipline, through training, through teaching. 
revealing himself to us and shaping our character and our behavior so that we can know him more intimately. So that we no longer be hindered by our misconceptions of our existence or, or by sin or by shame or by guilt. That we would live free in Christ. One of the most difficult things to do in a, in a, like a parent-child relationship or a, or a teacher-student relationship is to avoid power struggles. And it's because of sin, it's because of pride, it's because we want to be God, we want to be served as ultimate ruler, so we engage in power struggles. Um, and that, that's, that's one of the things that I'm constantly reminding myself and I'm reminding our staff of at school is don't engage in the power struggles. If you're trying to get a student to do something just so that you can break them, so that you can get them to listen and for no other reason than that, then just stop. You're wasting your time. You're, you're hurting your relationship and you're, you're damaging this student's life. You, you are not instructing the student in how to live life well. You're showing them that life is a power struggle. Who can dominate the other? And that's not how God interacts with us. That is not why God disciplines us. It is not a power struggle. In humility, God became a man so that he could serve, so that he could save us, the lost, the broken. He doesn't need to, he doesn't need to, nor does he want to, to just break us, to just get us to submit. His discipline is not, is not a power struggle. It's not this dominating force that he will inflict on us. It's his love for our good. In humility, he came to seek and to save the lost, to serve us, not to be served. God himself became a man and, and, and died and took on the punishment that we deserved so that we would know his love. Right? If we know that God loves us and if we know that that he is disciplining us and instructing us and teaching us for our good, then we know that, it's, that God is not this heartless God who is, who is trying to just break us. He is trying to shape us. He is creating us into his new creation. He's instructing us in his way so that we can live life well, so that we can have happiness and joy so that we can have life. God discipline, God's discipline is done in love for our good. And thirdly, the wise embrace love's discipline. Right? We are to embrace love's discipline, God's discipline. God is love. We had an interesting discussion about that at youth group a couple weeks ago. God is love. Um, so the wise embrace love's discipline. 
And so if you, if you read through Proverbs or you do a search through Proverbs just on the word discipline or if you, uh, or if you search the original Hebrew word, the list grows, um, you find a lot of passages. It talks about discipline and instruction and training a lot right? because that is the purpose of Proverbs is to instruct and to teach how to live wisely, how to craft life. So discipline is, is a part of that. Embracing God's discipline is crafting life well. So it says the wise keep hold of instruction. They, they do not let it go. And he says guard her for she is your life. Instruction is your life. Without God's instruction, without his teaching, without his discipline, we are dead. We will, we will die apart from God. We will be tempted away. We will, we will not hold fast to the ways of God in his life. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. It is life. The wise hear instruction. They do not neglect it. God tells us to do something don't neglect it. Don't say no. And in, and in this world that we live in, and in our culture and our society, it's very, very, very easy for us to neglect God's discipline, to neglect his instruction or his teaching. Right? Because we can sort of provide for ourselves more easily. And we can too easily not depend on God. God is disciplining us. This, maybe God's disciplining me financially. Oh, I'll just go get a new credit card. And then you're just piling on the discipline later. Right? It's too easy for us to avoid God's discipline. Do not neglect it. To neglect God's instruction is to neglect life. To reject God's discipline is to reject life and love. It is to make a choice that is ultimately not for our own good. And, right, and we, can know, we can know this. This all makes sense on some level. This is, it's not complicated. God loves us because he disciplines us. Yeah, we get that. We discipline those we love too. It's for our good. Yeah, we understand that because we discipline others for their good, and, and God does it for our good. We, we see how discipline is for good and how it's out of love. But the purpose isn't just knowledge. It is, is wisdom, knowledge applied. What will we do with that knowledge? Will we neglect this understanding of, of how we need to hold on to discipline, how we need to embrace it? Or will we live wisely? Will we craft our life in such a way that we embrace God's discipline. The wise hears his father's instruction. And again, just listening to God, submitting to God and his, his discipline and his instruction, however that may come. And so throughout Proverbs, we know the, the, sort of the wise and, and the foolish, right? or the righteous and the wicked, so this is what it says. This is how the foolish respond 
to discipline. This is, this is what the fool, this is how the fool reacts. The fool despises discipline. The foolish hate instruction. The foolish die for lack of wisdom. The foolish reject reproof and lead others astray. And the foolish ignore instruction and despises himself. To reject discipline, to to hate instruction is an act of self-hate. Don't hate yourself. Love yourself and love the God that loves you enough to take the time in every day, in every little way, teach you and guide you and discipline you. He cares enough to do that for you. His love extends beyond the cross. And I don't mean like more than the cross, but in time, his love continues in human history and in our lives. The cross, the ultimate demonstration of God's love for us, and we continue to know that through daily instruction and discipline, that God would care enough to be in every detail of our lives and lead us toward life and righteousness. I, I heard someone say, or they said it to me, I don't remember, he said, I don't, really, I don't really think that God bothers himself with the, the minor details in our lives. And, uh, and I heard that and I was like, what? For a second I thought, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, does, how can that work? Maybe. But then I thought, no. He, he can't. He can't ignore the details of our lives. He can't just expect us to, to walk worthy of our calling, to, to reach the goal, to live righteously, and yet not care about the details. Because the major things, the big things, the big picture is made up of little pieces, right? Um, if you're going to save $100, you've got to save a penny. Hey, the details are important. God is interested and he is, he is working in, in the smallest of details in our lives because he loves us, because it is for our good that we would be led to life. Don't be a fool. Don't complain about discipline. To complain about discipline is to complain about love. Again, to reject discipline is to reject love. It is, as Proverbs says, death. The fool dies for lack of wisdom. Without discipline, we are doomed. The author of Hebrews quotes this passage in Hebrews chapter 12. And I just want to read this for us. It's verses 3 through 11 of Hebrews 12. 
Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Sorry, I did not skip the line. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline is good. Instruction is, is good. Again, I don't think any of us disagree with that. We know that. But do we craft our life in such a way that we embrace discipline? That we love discipline because it means that God loves us. Do we live as though discipline is good, that is good for us, that it's for our good, that is leading us to life? Or do we get it backwards and think that discipline is bad and I should avoid it because I don't like it? So in addition to God disciplines us because he loves us and it is for our good and we should embrace discipline, we should expect discipline. Everyone. No one is excluded. That's what Hebrews tells us, that, that all of God's children are disciplined, that all of them come under the discipline of the Lord because he loves all his children. And if you are not experiencing God's discipline, you are, or if you are neglecting or rejecting God's discipline, you are an illegitimate child. Not a son, not an, 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 an adopted child of God. And Hebrews touches on, on the fact that we know, right? We respected our earthly fathers for their discipline. How much more should we respect our heavenly father who disciplines us for an even greater good, and an even more perfect discipline? For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And don't you see that, that God is working in you to make you new, to teach you what it is to live as this new creation? Okay, we... Before salvation, our, our life apart from God, we're, we're evil. We don't know what good is. We don't know how to be good. 
We're born again, brand new into this world of righteousness and, and holiness, and we don't know what to do. Just like a, a, when a child is born, they, they don't know what, they don't know how to walk, they don't know how to talk, they don't know how to eat. They have to learn everything through instruction and guidance and discipline. God is teaching us how to be his new creation, how to live this life. And I just want to end with uh, a reminder. Just as God disciplines us in love and for our good, in humility, so too are we to discipline our children or our students in love for their good in humility. There's nothing more damaging than a heartless, authoritative, dominating presence in someone's life. And if you want your children to grow up knowing the Lord and listening to his instruction, then you have to model the goodness and the love and humility of God. Because the discipline that you show them will be the discipline that they think God has for them. Embrace God's discipline.